A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, hello, sweet listeners, and welcome back to the In the Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, otherwise known as Vic in the Meadow on all my corners of the internet. Today's episode is going to be a nice, fun little catch-up. We're going to be talking about you don't have to monetize your hobbies, and it's going to be a little more laid back than the last few episodes that were more structured. I also need to preface this with saying I caught a little bit of a cold right before the long weekend here in Canada. We've got our Thanksgiving weekend. As I'm recording this, the episode will go up the following weekend. And isn't that just the way the cookie crumbles? Anytime there's designated downtime, time off, my immune system says, heck no, I think not, brother. Anyhow, I kind of feel like my head is underwater right now, so I can't really hear the volume at which I'm talking, and I might sound a little Flemmy the Flamingo. Hopefully we can get through this episode because I am excited to catch up, fill y'all in on what's going on in my life and in this wild internet world fueled by showing off the money people are making from their quote-unquote side hustles, their hobbies, talking about how we do not have to do that, and it's actually really unhealthy to do that. First, we're going to start out with the little catch-up portion of the episode. If you listened to last week's episode about finding my personal style, I mentioned that this week I was going to talk a little bit more about what's been going on with my mental health journey and getting diagnosed with OCD. So if you've been a longtime follower, you might know that I've struggled with something called emetophobia for a really long time, like 15 years. And talking about it is hard because there is a lot of embarrassment and shame around these things, which we cannot control. But it's a very debilitating phobia that I have surrounding people throwing up. I've gone the past 15 years with thinking that no therapists understand what the heck this is, that I need to be trying medication for anxiety, depression, all of these things. And suddenly, my most recent doctor's appointment, we were catching up on my mental health. And my doctor was like, you know what? Now that you're actually sharing more with me, as I will, I will say, the system is not great. However, with things like OCD, there is so much shame behind it that sometimes I think many of us aren't fully sharing the thoughts in our head that are happening 
in the way that we ruminate and spiral because of that shame element. So it only took 15 years, but finally between my doctor and I, he was like, you know what? I think that this might be OCD, which led to me learning about ERP, exposure response prevention therapy. I think I'm saying that right. And going down the rabbit hole of figuring out what the heck I need to do for myself. And it was really interesting because as I started looking into things myself, I saw that there's a huge link between people with OCD and people with emetophobia. Mine presents very differently from how a lot of people with OCD present, but that does not mean it's not valid. It's what my therapist told me this week. You, it's just really interesting and very validating to feel heard and understood and to just have hope for treating this because it's something that affects my day-to-day life, something that's led to really bad spells of agoraphobia in the past, which is where you aren't feeling like you can leave your house. Overall, it's just something that really affects my relationships and friendships and life and I'm tired of it. As scary as exposure therapy has sounded to me in the past when I didn't know as much about how it actually works, now that I understood it, I thought, you know what? My mom has had a conversation with me recently. My partner's had a conversation with me recently about how my mental health is just not it. I need to exercise every option possible to me to try and feel better because I am so tired of living this way. And I want to preface this again by saying like, I'm okay. I'm safe. I am not in any danger. There were dark days, and I think it's important to share that where at the end of a really hard day of just spiraling and the thoughts and ruminating, and I'd go to my partner and just be like, I don't, like, I I just don't want to live like this anymore. Like, I can't keep doing this. Anyways, I think all that to say I was ready to give exposure therapy a try, and it's something that you do have to be ready for. I know I got so many messages on Instagram and comments from other people with OCD and people that have done ERP with really positive things to say, you know, like it's fucking hard, but it works and it brings back quality of life, which is really hopeful to me. But it's also one of those things where when I was filling out my intake form with the OCD clinic that I'm working through, there was a button that was like, you have to understand, like you have to do the homework, you have to want to get better. And there was a box that was like, no, I'm not ready. Yes, I'm ready. And then, yes, I'm ready, but I'm scared. And I was like, I bet my bottom dollar that everyone is clicking that box alongside me. So with all that being said, I'm not here to explain like all of what that means because I don't fully know myself and I'm trying so hard to stay out of the Google pit and any other like hypochondriacs out there, which I've learned All of my medical spiraling is something called somatic OCD. Anyhow, all of that to say, I try and avoid the Google train. So I am really leaving a lot of this up to my therapist to explain to me. And I had my first therapy session this week. I did the free consult last week before I made my post to hold myself accountable to see this ERP through. And I had my first assessment call this week therapist is so stinking cool. We had a Sufjan Stevens vinyl album in the background in her like home office because it's virtual. And I was like biting my tongue. I'm like, just focus on, focus on the therapy. I think next time I'm going to tell her, I think that it's really cool. Yeah. She just seems like a really good fit and was so good at just making me feel understood. And I feel like every other time in therapy, I feel like I'm the one convincing my therapist of what I have and helping them understand what's going on, which is not helpful when they're the ones that's supposed to be helping me. I'm not supposed to be the one educating them, which again, isn't always their fault. It's that I've been tackling this the wrong way, but it is wild to me that no therapist has 
maybe brought up the possibility of OCD before. Maybe that's just because I've been working with therapists that specialize in anxiety. I'm not sure. It just was so nice for my therapist to just like literally understand right away all the things I'm saying, validate my experience and say, this is why that's OCD. This is how it's showing up. This is how we're going to tackle it. Letting me know that she's worked with people with this exact thing that I'm dealing with in this type of OCD before that's been successful as well as gave the realistic you know you know maybe it's not going to stop the scary but it'll teach you how to deal with the scary so that's been a really big one in my day-to-day -day life for next week's session it's going to be the rest of the assessment because we didn't even get to like there's there's some kind of OCD assessment tool that some I don't know smart person at a university came up with we didn't even get to that. It was just a lot of unpacking stuff. However, the next step will also be creating what's called like a hierarchy tier list. That means my therapist and I work together to create a pyramid of scary but least scary to moderately scary to like the big no, I cannot even imagine myself doing this. We slowly work up that list. I'm not going to get into specifics today because A, I'm not ready and I'm not even I'm not at a point in my homework where I'm even thinking about exposures yet. B, I know a lot of other people out there have emetophobia and if I was at, you know, a different place in my life, I wouldn't want to hear about the specifics of the things that I'm going to be doing, but I'm sure you can use your imagination a little bit. So that's been the really big thing going on in my life lately. And I know so many other people struggle and live with different mental health conditions and I think it's just really important to remember to give yourself grace and compassion as you carry yourself through day to day. I like to look at it as two ways. One, my inner child, right? I love to, in the moments where I'm being hard on myself or feeling those feelings of shame and embarrassment, think of little me and think of how like I wouldn't want her to feel that way. So why am I being so hard on myself now? Very healing. The other thing I like to do is just treat myself how I would my best friend. If my best friend was having these thoughts, what would I say to her? It's often a lot easier for us to be kinder to other people than it is for us to be kind to ourselves, which is really just twisted, but it is what it is. Those are two tools that I've been using over the past couple years to just recenter myself practice kindness and compassion with myself and my mental health and to just remember that we aren't alone in these feelings. Even if you feel like whatever you're dealing with right now is so niche and specific to you, there are billions of people on this planet and not all of them are online sharing their journeys. There are people going through what you're going through. There's people that understand and there's people that want to see you get better and can help you feel better. So mental health aside, there's been some exciting changes happening in my home. Uh, maybe that got people a little too excited. I'm about to talk about birds and jelly cats, so cool your rolls a little bit. If you didn't see on my Instagram, I got a new jelly cat and it is the cutest stinking jelly cat ever. It was a bit of an impulse purchase, which I try not to do. If there's any other jelly cat adults out there, you know, sometimes you see one and then you go back and they're just gone. They're just gone. You know who's doing the jelly cat thing, who's making them, who's stalking them, but the scarcity mindset is real with them and it is my vice. It is my one vice. There are worse things out there that I could have control issues with, which is very funny to say given my recent OCD diagnosis. Anyhow, I got this bear and it's the jelly cat bear, like a fluffy little brown bear, but he's wearing plaid pajamas, little red plaid pajamas. And he's, I Googled it. He's called the bedtime bear. Oh, and isn't he just ready for bedtime? He is so stinking sweet and darling. It was a crisp 
45 Canadian dollars. This pair is small, it is absurd. Back on my jelly cat buying ban, I, I couldn't wait. There was three of them left and I said, okay, you're coming home with me. That has been an exciting advancement in my life and it's bringing me a lot of joy and comfort. My mom came over yesterday because she took me to Costco to mooch her Costco membership because I'm just, I'm not at a level of adulthood where I have or want my own Costco membership or can afford. You know, she came over and I had Facebook messaged her because she doesn't know how to text pictures. She's a little, she's a little boomer, okay? Anyhow, I had Facebooked her a picture of Bartholomew, and that's the bear, and she came over and she was like, I would like to see the bear. And I said, okay, my bed is not made, but come on in, come on in and see the bear. And she gave him a big snuggle. And I said, you know what? Mentally, I'm like, okay, note to self, get mom a jelly cat for Christmas because I was a stuffy loving kid. And I think my mom was also a stuffy loving kid. And after her mom passed away, my grandma years ago, I got her this giant fox Valentine Squishmallow. She loves that thing. So I thought, you know what? Yep, I got it. Message received. Jelly cat for mom. Gosh, it's so, I mean, I could do a whole episode on relationships with parents as you get older and move out of the house. And especially, I don't know, like mother-daughter relationships. I know this isn't the case for everyone, but for me, our relationship was so tumultuous as a teenager and it has gotten so much better with boundaries and me moving out of the house. And it's just so special that I can do things like recognize that I want to get my mom a jelly cat. Oh, the other thing, the birds. Y'all know I am neighborhood crazy bird lady. It's October now, so through September and October, it's been migration and molting season. So sad to see the Orioles have left. We never got a ton in our yard anyways, and we get so many bees and squirrels. Like, I can't hang up grape jelly and oranges for them anyhow, but we had the occasional one. The Orioles have left. They said, peace out, Canada. Enough is enough. But my little friends, the Cardinals and the Blue Jays that like to come up to my window feeder, they are still abundant and they are getting so plump. On my nice little window feeder on my window, right? That's like clear so I can see the birdies come up and see me. And I get the newsletters from the bird store that we have a membership through. And they were saying, you know, back in August, molting and migration season is coming upon us and the birds need extra nourishment because now that it's getting colder, it's harder for them to find food naturally in the wild. So we went out and we bought the little fortified bird seed with added calcium, nuts, berries, suet, all kinds of good stuff. Blue Jays have also been eating more peanuts than ever before. Buy the big 10 pound bag of peanuts in the shell and put them out and they are in their glory. So anyhow, I think that they have indeed been plumping up for winter. They are just so stinking cute. I wish everyone to have birds come visit them at your window, unless you're fearful of birds, in which case I hope that they come see me instead. I'm telling you, if you are not a bird person yet, Wait till summer because bird feeders are expensive. The dollar store gets these little suction cup window bird feeders and I got mine for $4. I kind of like, I want to say mutilated. That's not the word I want. Modified. There we go. Mutilated was a little extreme. I modified mine so that the bigger birds could fit in it. I took off the little roof it came with. Anyhow, it is the highlight of my days is just sitting in my living room, which is where I exist most of the time and watching the little birdies come up to the window and sometimes if there's no peanuts for the blue jays in there yet and it's just the birdseed they will sit there they will peck at the window and they will scream at me and say miss ma'am 
I would please like a nut. I said, yes, mama is on her way. Anyhow, I try and not keep them on a schedule because there is like ethics within birding where you don't want them to rely on you. Sometimes when the blue says I would like a peanut, I say, okay, you deserve a peanut. Oh, we also got new upstairs neighbors and I had so much anxiety about it. I think I might've even talked about it on one of the episodes. I can't remember because I have big time sensory issues, which once again, it's all clicking now. Anyhow, I was so scared that somebody loud was going to move in because my last neighbors were like a little bit party-ish and loud until like 3 a.m. some nights. And the rest of my building is so, so quiet. It's such a good group of people that we have in here. So respectful. Like no one ever has guests. Everyone's in bed by like 9 p.m. It's incredible, the vibe. And when someone not fitting that mold moves in, it's very stressful for everyone. Very old building. Walls and floors are so thin. Anyways, the person that moved up there is so quiet and wonderful and also never leaves. So I haven't even had a chance to meet her yet. But that has been very anti-anxiety inducing. What is soothing? There's the word, soothing. (laughs) The cold, sick brain fog is a little bit real today. Oh, what else has been going on? Okay, so... We watched the Halloween Town movies. Oh, I think we watched another one. Witches. Slowly working our way through. I've mostly been working my way through my fall TBR and my Halloween books. I'm going to quickly give a few of my big recommendations so far. I'm going to be quick because I know not everyone's into the books. But if you are, take note. If you're not already in the book nook, my channel on Instagram where I exclusively talk about books, get on in there. Number one is my my roommate is a vampire. Oh gosh, I'm already forgetting. I think it's called My Roommate is a Vampire. It's saved in my book highlights for sure and on my Goodreads by Jenna Levine. It was a five-star read for me. It was so, so perfect. The vibes were funny. It was like an actual rom-com, like a laugh out loud, wholesome rom-com. And from Chicago, needs cheaper rent, finds this really bougie apartment listed for like $200 on Craigslist, moves in, whatever. I think I already talked about this in an episode. Anyhow, vibes were immaculate. Next recommendation, Cackle by Rachel Harrison. I know this one gets mixed reviews because it's listed as horror. I don't think it's horror. I think it's more like contemporary spooky Halloween. It's about a woman who goes through a breakup and moves to a small town, starts making friends with this like beautiful, magical seeming woman who some people in the town are a little weary of, finds out this woman is indeed some kind of witch. We don't find out a ton of details on it. And then the other character starts having some magical properties come about her as well. And it just was such a beautiful story about friendship. And it was giving feminist in such a great, beautiful way. There wasn't romance centered around it. No one gets together as a couple in the end. It centers around this friendship between these two women in their 30s and quote unquote 40s. And I just really adored that. I'm like, I don't know the last time I read a book that really captivated me about friendship. I will say with that one, if you don't like spiders, there is some some detailed spider talk. So if that's a creep of yours, maybe it would be horror for you. Last one that I want to mention is In the Company of Witches by Aurelie Wallace, which has been popping off on TikTok. Now it's been kind of hard to find. If you go on like a waitlist through Amazon, I know it's been coming back in stock, but it's like a $10 little paperback book, cozy mystery. Me, it was Gilmore Girls meets Halloween Town meets Hocus Pocus. It's about this family of witches. They own a B&B. One of their guests who's a town local is suddenly found murdered one morning. And it looks really bad on the family that owns the B&B because she was the only guest at the time. The story follows the younger witch who I think is like kind of in her 30s. She's recently a widow and she's going through trying to clear her aunt's names in this murder. 
find out what's going on. There's a cat familiar, there's a crow familiar. The book also deals with the topic of grief. Like it was so much more than I expected for a cozy mystery. Just wholesome, good vibe feelings. Like Hallmark movie and a book. That's what I've been doing. I'm currently reading The Curse in Their Veins, which is another witchy book. This one's really interesting. It's dealing with like intergenerational trauma. I think it's called like Jungian psychology, healing yourself through digging into ancestry, which I am like very, very into. So it's about these Romanian witches. Anyhow, I'm not very far in yet. I am loving that one so far as well though. I'm just welcoming in all the spooky vibes and it is today's Friday. I took off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday from my day job and I'm self-employed. So like I don't automatically get holidays off. I have to mentally remember to write off in my planner. Anyhow, I'm so excited to relax a little bit today and the podcast and editing this podcast is the main thing on my to-do list. And then watching the H3 Subathon podcast later today, again, so niche. I don't know if any of my followers are fellow FUBA troopers that watch H3 or Gila Kleiners. If you are, send me a message because I am not shitting you. I do not miss an episode. I have not missed an episode since the podcast started. The lore runs very deep with me. Anyhow, and then tomorrow, I am so, well, you know, this will be in the past a week for y'all, but tomorrow's Saturday, super excited. I, oh man, hi. Okay, to, to walk this back, Sunday, I'm having family dinner with my partner and my parents, and we don't celebrate the meanings of Thanksgiving. It's just like, oh, we all have a day off. We can get together. Perfect. Anyhow, my stepdad, we recently like had a loss in our family. My stepdad lost his dad and that was incredibly hard for him and the most difficult thing I've ever seen my stepdad go through. And so usually my stepdad's the baker and makes like apple crisps for whenever we have get togethers, but obviously we are not putting that on him right now. But we kind of forgot about dessert and we are a dessert family. So anyways, cue yesterday, Thursday, the Thursday before the long weekend, my mom took me to Costco and it was bananas like we went right at open and they had opened early because there was already a line I'm like are you freaking deacon kidding me anyway we saw the ginormous Costco pies and I said mom what are we gonna do for dessert she said Victoria you can figure that out with peace and love and I said man I know I'm the one that lives in the city she still lives in the small town I grew up in and I do have a friend and a client who is a baker and owns a bake shop I'm like oh my god it's two days ahead because they're closed Sunday Monday to bakery and so I DM of shamed my friend Alex and I said, you know what? This is embarrassing, but is there any way with 48 hours notice I can order a pie? They're a very small bakery and everything is obviously freshly made and it is so yummy. Anyway, she said, girly pop, don't even worry about it. Yes, what you want? And I said, pumpkin pie. Because my family is an apple pie family and I am pumpkin pie. And I said, you know what? If I'm going through the work to DM of shame, order this and pick it up and bring my arse into town, I'm picking pumpkin pie. Anyhow, so I'm super excited. Saturday, we're gonna go tomorrow, pick up the pie, and then we're headed to a little bit of a small road trip to the Woodstock, Ontario Antique Mall. It is a three floor antique mall. It's a little bit chaotic. You gotta kind of hunt for the good stuff. It's a little junky funky. It's not giving bougie antique mall. It's giving find what you can find antique mall. I think it's literally called the one of a kind antique mall. So very, very excited about that. See what we can find. I think it's just nice to look around, have something to do. I'm gonna go to the used bookstore, see if they've got anything in that town that's different from what we've got in the city. Kind of the big plan and then Sunday dinner. I'm gonna be making homemade parsley, dill, parmesan, dinner, bun, roll thing, breads. 
for Sunday, which I've been very excited about. I have not tested the recipe because that seems like a lot of work. So I am just going to guess. We're just going to guess and hope for the best. And that's okay. I think it'll be delicious. I've had really good luck with making bread and rolls in the past. So we will see. I'll have my little tofurkeys, some potatoes, and bread and pumpkin pie. What more? What more could a girl want? Anyhow, that is my weekend. And then Monday is recovery. Monday is nap. Take it easy again. See, I like to sandwich my busy days with relaxation days on either side. That's what's been going on in my life. So this has been a very, very long intro, like half the episode, but that's kind of what I wanted because I feel like I haven't been able to jab my jaws about what's been going on with me lately because I've had so much to say about the topics at hand. But today's topic that I want to chat about is a little bit shorter, a little bit more concise and kind of just like a little, a little pep talk and a hug to slow the heck down and be kinder to yourself in this crazy capitalistic world. Let's hop into what I wanted to talk about today, which is that you don't have to monetize your hobbies. In this day and age of everything being online and everything showing up online and people showing up online and bragging online and showing their highlight reel of their life and their business, it's so easy to get caught up in the, I should be doing this, I should be doing more. It is just like toxic hustle culture coming like vultures for us all. Even if it's not telling people that we should be doing these things, it's often inferring into our heads that we could be doing more. Really, we're doing better for ourselves by taking time to relax and just be a human being in this world and not just a cog in the machine. Yeah, what do I mean by this? I've seen some TikToks come up on my page lately, specifically that really hit home with this. And one is this woman. And again, this is not to put any negativity on these people. It's just examples that can rub off the wrong way in some people's brains. We want to celebrate other people's success. It's making us shit ourselves. Then there's a problem. There's this woman and she made some TikToks that was like, I made $53,000 in my crochet business this month. Already, comparison is a thief of joy. It's not fair to compare yourself. But for me as a knitter who does not sell any of their knitting pieces because it's also just like financially not feasible, I was like, what the actual heck? Like what secret sauce am I missing? And I watched her video more and it breaks down and she's like, I made $20,000 from my YouTube channel. And in my head, I'm like, okay, well, that's not technically your crochet business, I guess. It's social media. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone has the privilege and the luck of building an online presence. Like YouTube pays, y'all. I want to be, I'm, I'm going to be super transparent here because this episode is not sponsored. But when you've heard my sponsored episodes here in the podcast in the past, since I've been doing integrated sponsors, um, I charge $50 for a sponsor. I don't know how much y'all think I'm making from when I do sponsored partnered episodes. It, it's not, it's not YouTube money. Okay. I like to like humble us all, bring us down to earth and remind you that not all creators are making bank. And that's when I see stuff like that, where sometimes I'm like, am I doing something wrong? Anyhow, so I, I'm seeing that. And then she's like, and then I made this from Etsy sales, which again, anyone with a small business knows, first of all, Etsy steals so much money from crafters and creators. And it is hard. The Etsy algorithm is so hard to do well on that. Again, I'm like, okay, all of these things, like this person has worked so hard to get there, but it's not for everyone. Not everyone can achieve that. Or we'd all be so happy working from home with our $50,000 a month crochet businesses. I want to see a lot. And this is more men, which I think that the algorithms target different people differently. But I see a lot with the men, the drop shipping. 
became a millionaire at 21 by drop shipping X, Y, and Z. Here's how you can do it. Buy my course. I am, I am so tired of seeing buy my course. It's why, partially why I closed my eShop with some of my PDF guides, which like, yeah, people should definitely be compensated for their work, but I think we're also living in a day and age where there's a paywall in front of everything. I want to do a whole episode just on how this affects like femme people in general, but there is like a war coming against people. You feel like it's like you have to pay for everything to heal yourself. You need to go buy all these supplements, all these herbs, all of this. You need to join these women's circles, these like sex empowerment classes circle, all these women's retreats, all of this stuff. And it's like you can heal and find friendship and community for free. Now, I am just very passionate about not liking the way society is going and doing what I can in my power to still exist in the capitalistic world that just is our reality and also try and refrain from feeding into it because I want to see change happen and having a paywall behind everything is so frustrating. I'm like, ethically, how can you say I'm a millionaire from dropshipping when most of your money now is coming from some probably not worth the money course that you're trying to sell other men to also dropship when it's, you know, it's kind of like the, the MLMs, right? Such a small percentage of people are actually going to make it and make money rather than losing money, which is what the majority of people have experienced with these things like drop shipping as well. The other one I see a lot is the people saying, oh, well, if you take my course and then you can start teaching people stuff or you can do X, Y, and Z, then you can work anywhere in the world. I made $20,000 working from my little fancy retreat in Costa Rica this month. I'm tired of seeing this, y'all. It's just not realistic and it makes us shit ourselves and it makes us feel less than it. It makes us want someone else's life. And there's so much toxicity in wanting someone else's life. And of course, we would all be so much mentally and physically better for ourselves if we didn't have money to worry about. It's unrealistic to think that we can all be like these people that we see online who like these people are also only gaining traction because their life is so different from the rest of us. Catching people's attention, they're thinking, oh, I'm seeing someone living outside of the norm. I wish I could do that. I think it's important to recognize that when those feelings of I should be X, Y, and Z and the comparisons and jealousy start to come up, it is time to get off line. Learn some screen time limits on in your phone. If you have an iPhone, I don't know if Android does that as well. And follow people, press the not interested. Use your online space a little bit smarter because that is so bad for the mental health. I've been experiencing it a lot lately and I've been spending a lot less time on TikTok and even contemplating leaving TikTok, which I think most people do have me on Instagram. And Instagram is just a platform where you can actually see creators content a little bit better. The TikTok algorithm is brutal and punishing. And I know that literally less than 2% of my followers see my content usually on TikTok. And it's just so toxic. I am in a very tumultuous relationship thinking about getting rid of it. So I don't know, but it's been getting to me enough lately where I'm like, this stuff is unrelatable. It's not what I want to be focusing on. It's not bringing up feelings that are positive and beneficial to me. Be the person who I would like to be. And I just need to not let that get into my space. And I think that that's something that I hope you can all be a little more aware of too. Even aside from the online space, another way that this whole like monetizing your hobbies can show up on a lesser scale is, you know, maybe you're a really good baker. And your friend's like, oh my God, you should come pop up at my bake sale. Or you're, like I said, a knitter, a crocheter, you make jewelry. And someone's like, oh, there's a craft fair happening at the school near me. You should sign up. You don't have to do that. 
It is so special to keep some hobbies and things sacred for you where you don't have that pressure to make a profit, to make a sale, where you're not seeking validation from other people wanting your work. Monetizing your hobbies can build a resentment to them and you can find a lack of passion into things that you used to really enjoy doing and then you're constantly seeking a new outlet. Seeing this happen to specific friends of mine before, where they have a business making baby clothes and then they're selling art and then they're doing this and they're buying the supplies to do this hobby. They continuously are trying to profit off of it. And I'm like, what if though? What if you just enjoy it? Again, I know there's nuances to this in this economy. A lot of people have to try and find income wherever they can. I'm not here to dissect that nuance today. I'm not a professional. I'm just sharing my stream of consciousness. If you have me on a pedestal, please take me off. I am human just like all of y'all. I'm just another 27 year old trying to figure it out in this wacky world. But as a, as I like to call myself recovering boss babe, who got caught up in hustle culture at a very young age since I started my business in my day job at a very young age and side hustles and kind of grew up in that era in young adulthood. I just want to share my experiences and help others avoid that spiral because the internet has skewed our perception of success. See people making thousands of dollars on YouTube, selling courses, drop shipping. This doesn't have to be desirable for everyone though. And it definitely isn't attainable for everyone. Wanting that quiet little life is okay. Not loving your job is okay. You're so much more than your career. Your value in this world isn't determined by your income and position. Get outside, call your bestie, and most importantly, get offline. We all just need a little more grounding in our day-to-day life. <laughs> like I was saying earlier, I think it's just also weird in this online space that we're navigating, but there is a paywall in front of everything. It's hard because, you know, there's two sides of it, right? Like we want to support creators. We want to do this. But at the end of the day, if we're all in the same tax bracket, like we all are struggling. I don't want to pay $5 to read an email from someone that they wrote. I don't want to pay $5 to watch someone's description Instagram stories. Also can't, it's not in my budget. And that's why I figure if I'm somebody that, you know, is getting by, but also things are budgeted, things are tight, that I never, I never want to make my content inaccessible for other people. That is why I seek any online income that I do get from companies who have the capital, they have investors, they have a budget for marketing other than the consumer per se. And I hope that nobody ever feels pressured from the partnerships that I do do to actually buy. You have no idea how much just listening and clicking a link does for people. Anyhow, yeah, I just wanted to share my perspective and I'm not trying to be a, a hater, but from the perspective of, I don't know, I guess a creator in this community, it's just that things are becoming really inaccessible. That is also why this isn't my job. I have a day job. I make less than 10% of my annual income from online endeavors year to year. It varies a little bit, but I like to practice what I preach. And for me, this is something I enjoy, especially my podcast, but the internet in general, creating stuff on Instagram, stuff on TikTok, YouTube, I guess, since I randomly uploaded a YouTube video last week, whatever I'm doing, I like to connect with y'all. I like the sense of community and I never want there to be that pressure on me that it feels like a job because that's icky and that's really weird to me. And it also makes these creators become very detached from reality as it puts that pressure on you where now you're kind of like utilizing your audience to 
your own benefit. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of nuance here. For me, I remember once I met with like a management company, which like if you're thinking about becoming a creator, don't do that. Don't do that. You can make your own money. You don't need someone to sign a contract for you. Anyhow, I remember meeting with them and they were like, oh, so like, do you do this whole time? And I said, oh, heck no. I'm actually a massage therapist by day and really love my job. And they were like, oh, well, would you want to drop down your hours? And I said, no. <laughs> and they were so confused. And I was like, I, I don't want that because first of all, especially with the internet, I know this doesn't translate to all hobbies and side hustles per se, but the internet is very uncertain and the algorithms are uncertain. Those are outside of my control. That's things I cannot control that sometimes I get put on TikTok jail, that Instagram isn't showing content to everyone, even if they want to see it. No, I don't want to rely on content doing well to make my money. I don't want to feel like I have to be selling, selling, pitching all the time. Because then that resentment builds and I never want to feel resentment to my online space. I am so about preaching, having a healthy relationship with the internet and social media and the online space. For me, I am a person where I'm not interested in this being my job. And I am going to forever keep this as a hobby or, you know, if it sometimes is making money, a little something on the side that I don't quote unquote have to rely on, but definitely helps me make ends meet sometimes. Mentally, I don't even consider it. I don't even consider any income that comes from this as part of my what do I need to do to make ends meet at the end of the month. Keeps me happy. It keeps me enjoying it. It keeps me here on episode whatever the heck we are at of the podcast. And I think it also, again, like it keeps me grounded. And I, I know obviously there's a lot of people we follow online because they do, like I said, live super different lives where it's almost like a fantasy that we can get caught up in like watching reality TV, right? But there's these two influencers that I'm thinking of off the top of my head who I started watching when they were making videos. I'm going to be really vague here. And they're making videos about their jobs at the time and getting get ready with me's and eventually they gained a lot of traction and they quit those jobs and they're now you know living a very different life and spending an insane amount of money moved out of their parents and spending insane amounts of money on things that are not attainable to the average person and I just have noticed the comment sections have really changed and people are like y'all are out of touch y'all are not relatable y'all like this isn't, this isn't what we signed up for. And obviously people change, but it is sad when you, I know everyone has experienced this. You see a creator and maybe you catch them in their early days and they blow up and they just like lose touch with reality. I really like to follow people online that I feel like are living a similar life. And I think that's a, a turn we will see in the online space of wanting to see more relatability. People living these normal lives rather than these unattainable lives because it just makes us feel shite about ourselves. And like I said, we want to get offline when that happens. So seeing this emergence of like normal people living online has been really nice for me. How do we get there? How do we break this mold of us shitting ourselves and thinking that we need to be monetizing every little corner and avenue of our lives? Like I said, take the pressure off unfollow these people, get offline when you're feeling triggered, but relearn what you actually like to do. Which might sound silly, but if you're someone where like your decompression time is always just scrolling your phone, I'm telling you, your phone is not very good for your mental health. Find something better. For a happy medium, for me with like my phone time, I'm listening to podcasts and audiobooks, primarily on my phone. I'm very much limiting the scrolling time. I find that podcasts and audiobooks are like my happy medium where I can go for a walk, pop it on. I'm very 
very careful of the content that I consume. And that spreads also, I want to say, across the board. And this is something else. I want to do a whole episode on one day. But the content you consume completely shapes the way you think. I am the weirdo that listens to solfeggio healing frequencies when I take my shower in the morning and night. And that calms my nervous system right down. In general, I try and listen to very calming music all the time because I know what's good for my nervous system. Same with TV. I'm not consuming things that are stressing me out or making me shit myself. That's why I love Gilmore Girls. Oh my God, I also, a recent little favorite popping in here. I've been obsessed with the show Craigie. It's the Irwins. I'm watching it through something through Amazon Prime Video. Following the Irwin kids and Steve Irwin's wife, Terry, at the Australia Zoo, and they just show rescuing the animals and nature and all of these things in their animal hospital. And it is so wholesome and it makes me feel so good and like just connected to nature, even though I'm like laying in bed, rotting, eating dill pickle chips. That being said, I'm just really careful about what content I consume because it really shapes the way we think about ourselves, our worlds, and how we feel. So that is um, a little, I guess, subset of being figuring out what you like, kind of reframing healthy day-to-day life. But some other things for me that I personally really like, knitting, look like a lot of other things. If you're like a hands-on person, maybe it's embroidery, crocheting, cross stitch. I don't know if that's the same as embroidering. Maybe it's seamstressing stuff or like taking stuff you find at the thrift store and repairing it. You're like a cobbler and repair shoes. I don't know. I also love Lego. However, Lego is very, very expensive. Usually once a year at Christmas holidays, I ask for it from someone for Christmas. And then I've got a whole day, like 12 hours of building some dang Lego. Reading. Reading has been such a big one for me. Y'all know I love the little reading community that I've made online. Um, Birding. Hello, that is a new recent favorite and shows that you can still find hobbies in adulthood that maybe you literally never thought of before. Baking and bread making, also something that I just started doing the last couple months. And I think as well, when big life events happen, our focus and feelings shift. And since I lost Boo and just the, the journey of grief has brought out new space and time for rediscovering myself and what I like to do. And I feel like I'm somebody with a lot of hobbies. I might not have a lot of friends. I am not a social person. I don't know the last time I like hung out with someone. The last time I can think of is when I had Courtney and Jillian, my friends over here in um, July and it's October. Other, you know, than like my partner, but um, I like a lot of things and I don't want to sell any of those things. And I want to keep those things special and sacred and fun and things that I can share pictures of with y'all but not things that I'm feeling like I have to make profit from. I think it's really something like an act of self-care that we can do for ourselves because this world is hard. This world is literally a dumpster fire. And I think a lot of us are living in a perpetual state of fight or flight, just surviving, not thriving. Feeling little bits of joy in life and finding pockets of peace through hobbies and not feeling that pressure to turn everything into a dime. It just is very healing. Like that's, that's kind of it. That's kind of like all my notes that I had written down. I just really wanted to do a little stream of consciousness talking about how you don't have to monetize your hobbies. And also like, say you do monetize your hobbies. I've got lots of friends in the small business community who have day jobs and also have part-time jobs all being a tarot reader. Hello, Rebecca. They enjoy doing them and it is a helpful piece of income for them. Business. But I've had these conversations with them as well, where it's like, okay, You can also have your side businesses that don't have to turn into your full-time job. I think in general, it's just 
knowing your boundaries, knowing having healthy relationships with things that you enjoy doing, finding that balance. Hey, at the end of the day, if you're like, I don't agree with you, that's okay. I'm one little human on this planet, sharing my thoughts so that maybe I can make someone else feel a little better about themselves, a little less alone in this weird world. Yes, at the end of the day, just give yourself a permission slip to do whatever the heck you want. That's the important part, what you want. Now, what you, again, feel like you should be doing, could be doing, or see someone else doing that you're like, oh, I would like to be like that. I need to accept your current reality and being happy with less, which I did a whole podcast on learning to live with less, is really gratifying. Really wonderful little DM conversation with somebody who listens to the podcast and follows me on Instagram. And she is a nurse in, I want to say she said Australia. I swear she said Australia. I could be making that up because I've been watching Crikey, it's the Irwins though. Anyhow, and she was saying that, you know, she doesn't make the most money there. She works in vet med and she has recently just really learned to alter her mind of overconsumption and slowing down and being okay living with less and how it's brought her so much more happiness in not overworking herself and dropping down one day less at work and knowing, okay, I'm going to be making less. I'm going to have to change the way I live, but being happy with it. And I know that that in itself is a privilege not everyone can have, but it's just really nice to hear that other people are reevaluating their needs and wants and the way that they live and just how they view their current situation because it's so easy to sit in that self-pity party. And sometimes you have to, but sometimes you have to pull yourself out. So yeah, that's it. That's all I've got today. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I feel, I love these salons where it just feels like I'm having a little chit chat with y'all, a little less structured. Oh my gosh, it's not even 10 a.m. yet. I already had a nice homemade cookie uh, for for breakfast. And I'm sitting here post-cookie with my orange Cove Sodi Pop. And I'm gonna go edit this, put away laundry. Just remember what I have to do a load of laundry for work and chill. I don't know. Get ready to watch the podcast later. It is a laid back Friday. I'm going to sit in my little snuggie, get all nice and comfy cozy. It's supposed to be rainy all weekend here. Perfect twilight watching weather. Maybe I will partake in a little, a little twilight marathon this weekend. Who knows? Make it a little crazy. Like order some popcorn. But I hope the rest of y'all are having a nice time. Now, weirdly, with my podcast demographics, the majority of y'all are actually in America. So it is not even near Thanksgiving weekend season for y'all. Like a Christmas event for y'all. Us Canadians, we get the long weekend early October. I don't know. I kind of like, I like Thanksgiving and Christmas to be two very separate events. It's also like, I don't know, here it doesn't feel festive yet. It's rainy. The leaves are starting to fall, but it still feels a little back to schooly, you know? I haven't been in school for like almost a decade, but it still feels just back to school time, not holiday mode time. But for anyone else who had the long weekend last weekend, I hope that this week back for you has been restful. Short week, hey, right? Most of y'all hopefully only had a four day work week. If you're in Canada, you're in America, you will get your comeuppance in like a month and a half. Whenever you're listening to this, I just hope you have a great day. Hope you have a great time. Be kind to yourself, be gentle with yourself. We will chat next Sunday. I don't remember yet what next Sunday is. I don't think it's going to be Halloween yet. I think there's one episode in between, but I am going to do, I haven't planned it yet, but I will be doing another little Halloween special for Halloween weekend, which will be fun. And yeah, new episodes every Sunday morning, 7am Eastern Standard Time. Until then, I will see y'all next Sunday or on Instagram and TikTok, Vic in the Meadow, everywhere on the internet. (laughs) All right. Bye guys. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.